people will rarely remember what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. Agent Power Huddle is a daily jumpstart, giving you all the tools you need to create an amazing real estate career. Led by top experts in the field, you'll learn how to sell more houses in less time while creating the life you want. Welcome to the Agent Power Huddle. We're going to dive in today into uh, how to handle any objection. So if you want to learn how to handle any objection and really feel confident in any situation, no matter what the uh, the client says, buyer, seller, uh, whoever it is, I'm going to teach you some really powerful patterns that in the next few minutes will kind of break down how you can um, how you can be comfortable in any situation. Uh, we got a nice small group here today. So I'm going to teach you guys some... Uh, there we go. What's up, Lenora? We got a nice small group here today. So what I'm going to do is I want to teach you the framework first. I want to teach you the framework on how to handle any objection. And then I want to open up for uh, some situations of you know real things that clients have said to you, scenarios you've had, because the whole idea behind um, objection handling, and, and I had to define it. Let's start off here. I had to look up the definition of what an objection was. I've, I've been doing sales for 20 years. And it, most of us just know intuitively what an injection is, right? Objection is when a client says something that frankly, we don't like, or maybe it's not that we don't like it, that it just, we think it may not align with um, their best interest. And this is a really key point here to point out. It's not just that you don't like an objection, okay? It's that you want to understand where the client is hoping to get to, where their end result is. And if they're, are give, are they're saying or believing something that's getting in their way of achieving where they want to go, I believe that salespeople help the world go around, right? We don't want to use this to, to manipulate people or to get them to do things that, that are not in their best interest, right? So if it's just that they don't want to work with you for whatever reason, th that's fine, right? We respect that if they don't want to move for whatever reason. But the, the definition here that I looked up this morning, sales objections are the reason why your prospects can't or won't buy your product or service. Pretty high level. It makes sense, right? So some things that, that you might hear when you get, uh, you know, objections are on the, uh, on the buying side these days, we hear objections like, I don't know if I want to move because of the interest rates. I don't want to buy. And when everyone heard that lately, right? I don't want to buy because of the interest rates. Okay. At least one of you, two of you. Cool. If you're not, you're probably not talking to enough people, right? On, on the listing side, um, I mean, really, you can get the same objection. I don't want to sell my house because, uh, because I've got such a great interest rate. Or, or uh, more generically, uh, the last two listing appointments I've gone on have uh, been the same objection I've gotten over and over for last 15 years. I don't think it changes, right? Like, will you, uh, you know, will you list your house for, will you, will you list this house for X percent or will you give me a discount, some version of a discount commission on the, uh, on the seller objection and on the listing side, there's all sorts of objections, but we're going to dive into this with this pattern. And if you haven't gone through this before with me, stop me, let me know if you have questions as we go through this. And even if you've heard this before, I want you to really look for, are there things that you do or don't do? And I'm going to teach you the framework first. Um, the basic framework that I use, let me put this up on the screen. So this is a, this is the, the powerful objection handling patterns. And there's a few different methods we can use, but I want to give you a general framework. And there's really a few steps. The first step of handling objection is to ignore it when it first comes up. Now, I want you to use your judgment on this one. I'm not saying that you should literally not listen to what your clients say, right? If it makes sense, if it's logical, and if it has to be addressed, you're not trying to frustrate them. You just want to see in certain scenarios how committed they are to this objection, right? If you're sitting in a listing appointment and you're a few minutes into the presentation 
keep, keep in mind, they're trying to listen to you. They are listening to you, but their brain is going through a loop of patterns of things that they have been uh, you know, exposed to. Maybe their uncle, their cousin, someone else had told them, when you sit down with your agent, you know, when you, when you go to find an agent, make sure you ask them if they'll discount their commission. And they're sitting there listening to you. And all of a sudden it just pops their head and they blur like, Hey, what, what do you charge? First of all, we want to make a distinction. There's a difference between an objection and a question. You guys all know that, right? Nod your head, raise your hand. There's a big difference between an objection and a question. A question is a very simple, you know, simple statement, given an answer to it. And even some questions are better answered later on. If at the beginning of a listing presentation, someone says, what do you charge? My response is great question. We will absolutely handle that. Right. Let me make a note and, and then I will continue on and I'll come back to it. That's just a question. It's not even an objection. If they say, Hey, are you going to discount your commission? My, you know, I, I, I was told I need to make sure that, that I ask for a discount. Again, if it's really on, I may ignore and say, it's a great question. Let me make a note. I'll make sure we address it. It's not my job to necessarily bring that up again. When we go to sign the paperwork, I have to say, Hey, remember you wanted to ask for a discount, right? If they, if they're committed to this objection, it's going to come up again. Does that make sense guys? In the case of like, I'm not going to move because, you know, because, or, you know, I don't know if I want to move because the interest rates, like you're on an initial phone call with a potential buyer. You know, I don't know if I want to move because the, uh, the interest rates are, uh, are, are, you know, are pretty, pretty high right now. That's one where use your discretion. You could try to ignore it, right? At the moment, be like, okay, makes sense. And tell me more about your situation. You're going to want to learn more details before you decide whether you can truly ignore the objection or not. Sometimes they, do need to be addressed, right? You're going to seem very, very callous if you ignore the fact that they've talked about interest rates, their affordability, their payments, and you just keep trying to steamroll them into a house. That's not at all I'm talking about. Just use your judgment on this one. Fair? Okay. So first step is to ignore in a lot of cases, but after that, we want to restate. And I'm going to teach you a technique in a minute for restating things in a different way that goes into a bit of objection handling, but at its really core, restating is just repeating back to someone so that they know you're listening. And so you can make sure you've got it right. A lot of you guys who've been trained in, trained in sales uh, or have just, you do this intuitively, you restate things back to people. And it, when people restate things back to you, let's, I mean, let's pause for a minute. How many of you have ever talked to someone that you said something and they say, let me make sure I got this right. And they repeat it back to you. Does anyone tell right? Doesn't that feel good? But when they do it, they're like, oh yeah, they got me, right? Sometimes they repeat it back and they do such a long-winded version of it that you're like, this is a waste of time, especially you high D's out there. You're really driver personalities. Like, I don't need the whole recap. I just said that. But if they're really keeping it short and sweet, your restate should be right, short, sweet, and repeating what they said, right? So again, let's use this one because I think this comes up a lot these days on the buyer side. You know, I don't know if I want to move because you know, interest rates are really high, right? You want to repeat and say, yeah, I, I get it. You're concerned with interest rates. Something really short and sweet. Yep, they, they hear you. The next step after we restate is to isolate. These next two steps are probably two of the most important. And I think when people go through this framework, these are the steps that pe people often skip. Someone gives you an objection and you want to dive into it. You want to start talking about it. If you don't isolate that objection, you're going to end up handling that one only to have another one or two or three or four more objections pop up behind it. Let me give you an example of what I mean by isolate. So isolate, the language I usually use for that is, again, you, let's use, keep on this example of interest rates. Other than interest rates, is there anything else that would you know, stop you from wanting to buy a house? Right? Other than commission, is there anything else that would stop us from working together? Other than blank, is there anything else that would get in the way or that would keep you from wanting to move forward? 
That's the idea of isolating because you might find there's two, three other things that come in there, right? For example, they might say, well, that and uh, I'm a little worried about losing my job or I just lost my job or I had a bankruptcy. Okay, now we're getting into the realm of another distinction I want you to make. Write this down. There's a distinction between an objection and a condition. There's a difference between an objection and a condition. And if these are a lot of, if this is new to you, right? If this is one of the first thing, times you're kind of diving into some of these, the more you practice this, the better you'll get. And you'll start to identify these things really without even thinking about them. But it starts with just acknowledging and being aware of what they are. I think probably the best example of objection versus condition is a buyer who wants a one-story home, right? You're out there showing houses. You pull up to a house. It has two stories. And they say, man, we really just want a one-story house. You could do your best to handle this objection all day long, right? But truly, that's more of a condition. <laughs> There's nothing to handle there. Like it's just, you missed either finding out about that in advance or really hearing what your client's looking for. And so when you can distinct between a condition, something that really can't be changed. A house is two stories. Yes. Could you put in an elevator? Sure. Right. There are things you could come up with, but in general, you guys get that, right? One story versus two story. That's, that's conditional. So as you're going through this, I don't really want you worried about, is it a condition or is it an objection? Because if your brain starts going down that road, it's, it's going to be hard to handle it. But as you start to look back on why did that go not go the way I wanted to? When you start to troubleshoot this yourself, think about it. Were they asking me an objection or a question? And was it a condition or an objection? These things will give you that filter. But once we isolate the objection, okay, other than interest rates, is there anything else that would stop you from wanting to buy a house? No, that's pretty much it. Right? Once we isolate that, the next step is going to be to cushion it. Cushion. So we've got ignore restate, isolate. Now we're going to cushion it. And cushion's a pretty straightforward one, which just lets you take the edge off it. It kind of, uh, my wife, I don't know if you guys have heard me talk about my wife very much, but she is a therapist. Okay? My wife is a, a licensed therapist and uh, I've learned a ton from her. So they, they use the term normalizing. Have you ever heard that term? Normalizing means to make someone feel like they're right on track, right? Okay. So let's say they gave you, they said, you yeah, know, I don't want to move. Interest rate's pretty high. I, I might, I'm going to isolate it. Is there anything else? I have an objection. I'm going to cushion it. I'm going to say, you know what? That's what most of the buyers I'm talking to right now say. Okay, you're, you're right on track. That's pretty much the feeling going on out there. Um, and, and let me show you a few things that we can that we can do to address that concern. Right? We're going to cushion it. You're right on track. Everyone else will say that they ask you about, you know, will you sell? Will you list my house for X percent, something really low compared to what you normally charge? You might say. I like the way you think, right? Most of my clients actually, it's a conversation we have right before they hire me, right? Just make them feel normal. So that so then it, it helps them feel less defensive. It helps them feel less defensive. Um, I'm going to give you the last two steps and I want to point out one other thing that's really important in this. After we cushion it, that's when we go to this handle step here. And I'm going to give you a couple of different ways, at least one way today, depending on time, of how to handle objections. Then we'll go into this idea of you'll throw it someone we can, I really want you feeling confident that you can handle any objection. That's the idea today is handle any objection. But after you handle it, then we're always going to close. This is yet again, another step that a lot of agents miss, especially if you're newer in sales and you're lacking some of that confidence. Um, the whole idea of fake it till you make it, the reason why it's effective for a lot of people, it allows them to come across as confidently where they're going to continue to ask for the order. It doesn't have to be a hardcore close of like sign here, right? That's kind of old school sales tactics. It might be something softer in a, list, in a listing situation where you're more just like, so do you want the photographer to come out, you know, end of this week or 
sometime next week. It's a very soft close, a way of just moving into the next step. I see Katrina nodding her head, right? She, she uses that one, right? Or, or uh, you know, do, do, you need, do you need a couple of days to get the house cleaned up or, or are we ready to, to, to you know, to, to get someone out, to, to, to get it listed? Something like that. Okay, that's the close. That's the whole statement here. But I want to point out one thing that underlies all of this. There's only two reasons why someone won't do business with you. There's only two reasons why someone won't do business with you. If anyone's been on a lot of these training calls with me over the last few years, does anyone know what the two reasons are? If not, I want you to guess. If you're in a, not in a loud area, guess. What are, the, what are the reasons why someone won't do business with you? Anyone got a guess? Suma's got a guess. Go for it, Suma. They like you and, you know. What was that? They like you. They, they, so if they, if they won't do business, they'd be the opposite, right? They don't like you. If they, if they don't like you, I guess, okay? They don't like you. I, I definitely think that's one. And it's going to fall under one of these two categories. I'm going to give you in a second. That's a, I, I love it. Leonardo, what do you think? What's the reason why someone won't do business with trust. you? What? Trust. 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 Yep. Trust is going to fall under the same category. Ready? So here's the two, the two reasons that I, everything you can possibly think of falls into one of these two categories. They either don't see the value or they feel threatened or they feel threatened. They don't see the value, they feel threatened. So think about it. Trust, that will fall under this category of they feel threatened. And I'll explain. They don't like you. That falls under the category of, of, of uh, they feel threatened. Or if they like you, that's value because they want to do business with people they like. So here's how these categories work. See value. When we get to this objection handling, to the handle section of an objection, you're going to want to illustrate value and remove the threat. Illustrate value, remove the threat, right? So when you said, Lenora, they don't, they don't trust you. When I say threatened, I mean, it's, kind of, it's almost interchangeable, right? They, they don't trust you. They feel threatened. It's not like threatened, like they think they're worried about their safety in a physical sense. It's not like we're worried that a tiger is going to jump out and attack them. But our brains are wired to protect us, right? You guys have probably heard this and not, but if not, pay attention because the way our brains are set up is we are always looking for danger. Some of us are really, really efficient at looking for danger means you're really anxious, right? Some of us are less efficient at looking for danger, right? We're more outwardly more calm, but somewhere inside our head is always something looking for danger. And this probably comes from back in the day when there literally was a tiger that could jump out at any time. There are no more tigers here to attack us, but our brains are still trying to keep us safe. Good little brain. Thanks, brain, right? Trying to keep us safe, but sometimes it's not needed. And so we have this filter that when something seems like it's, it's not in that circle of trust, as Leonardo said, or we feel threatened, that defensive wall goes up and it makes it a lot harder to move forward with someone. So th there's things that you want to do and there's language patterns, whether we have time today or another call, we can talk about the language patterns that you can use to help right? remove, remove that threat, right? Th there are things that you can do when someone says like, like when someone said a minute ago, um, you know, will you list this house for less? And I said, I like the way you think, right? That's a language pattern, a language pattern. Like I like the way you think, right? We'll, we'll, we'll definitely cover that. Th that's that's a language pattern that you're starting to like remove that threat that you're just, you're agreeing with them. We're going to still handle it. We're going to still, we're going to work to get our full commission. However, we're going to illustrate value to say, here's why we're worth our commission. And we're going to move that threat and we're going to have people move forward. Is this making sense so far, guys? Yeah. Okay. Any questions? Let me put this back up on the screen. Any questions on this pattern? Because if you get this pattern, this handle portion is going to be there's a lot of ways to, to handle this, right? There's a lot of ways to handle objections, but when you put it into this format, this is the way that's going to really start to any questions to, to kind of shift the way that you, you deal with clients and anything here that you guys want to ask about. 
All right. So let's talk about the handle. Wait, we got another 15 minutes. Let me talk about how the ways you handle this. I was in a sales situation last week. Um, and sales situation is any place where you are, again, moving towards some decision point where we're hoping the client does you know something that that we agree on where where they should go but again our whole goal is to ask questions and to find out what is in the client's best interest first we want to understand their motivation their hopes their dreams their goals and then we want to be the resource to help them get it that to me is why salespeople make this world go round um but i was with there with a with another uh salesperson and uh he'd been talking to this person for a number of meetings prior and i sat down in my first meeting and within 10 minutes, we were, I got details and certain specific things. And, and it was interesting because he said to me afterwards, he said, wow, I had spent like hours trying to get to some of these things. And I think I was too unsure of kind of going around the outside. And whereas you just asked questions and you were very genuine and they just told you everything. Okay. So I want this to be at, a, at, a, at the heart of handling objections, guys. It really comes down to first asking good questions and genuinely listening because people will tell you everything you need to hear. They will. You just got to ask. That goes back to that sense of confidence. If you get, you got to be confident in yourself that like, it's okay for you to ask these things. It's not intrusive. We need to ask because we need to know, right? So let me give you this first objection handling technique here, because this one will go back to this restate. So the first one is the reframe or the level shift, the reframe or the level shift. And frankly, we may only talk about this one today because this is my favorite. And I think it's the easiest to use. You could use it right up here, right? When you first restate. Or you could restate the normal way, just really simply, okay? Yeah, interest rates, I get it. And you could use this technique when you get down here to the handle portion. It doesn't matter where we use this, but what the reframe level shift is, we're going to take something that someone says and reframe it into a new context. We're going to give it a different meaning. And that meaning we're going to give it should be something that is easier for us to address something that we can talk about or some, something that comes from a more position of power or place that we actually have something we can add. Because if you just say to someone, hey, right, you don't want to buy a house because interest rates are high and you go, they're not high. Now, you've, now you're starting to combat them, right? I think, I'm glad Sue was laughing because we're all like, of course they're high. Yeah, it's relative, right? Back in the, in the 80s, they were you know, 14, 15%. So you could go down that road and say, yeah, well, they're not that high relative to this. But most people don't care what they were in the 80s. They care what it is today. They care what the payments are, right? So I'm going to reframe or shift this one. And I'm going to say, look, the format to this, write this down, guys. What I'm hearing you say is, what I'm hearing you say is, and then what you hear them say, this is where you get to repeat back something a little different than what the, you don't have to use the exact words they told you. You're going to put a new meaning on this. If they said, I'm not sure if I want to buy because the interest rate's pretty high, or just because the interest rates, they didn't even say the word high because the interest rates, you could say, look, what I'm hearing you say is when you buy your next house, you really want to make sure it's affordable. Is that right? Do you guys see how that's very, it's subtle, but it's very different talking about affordability versus interest rates. It is almost impossible to convince someone that today's interest rates are low given what they've seen for the last few years, but it is a number of ways you could talk about making them affordable. This is where we get into a deeper conversation. What are ways you can make them affordable instead of doing a 30 year fixed could they do an arm, right? Could they do an adjustable rate? Could they do a five-year adjustable rate? There's all different things. I'm not saying again here, hear me clearly. I'm not saying talk people into doing anything that's not in their best interest, but if they have a need to move, a life event, birth, death, marriage, divorce, okay, you, these are the basic life events that are drivers. Sometimes people truly want to move 
but they get conflicted because they're like, yeah, but I don't know, but the interest rates are high. Like, but so they just don't know that there's solutions out there, right? They don't know there's solutions out there. And if you are the solution provider, you're going to not only help them achieve their goals, but you're going you're, you're gonna to do your job and get paid also. So if you want an, a really good affirmation, that's going to tie into this, um, that's going to help with objection handling. I wrote this down and said it out loud multiple times a day, probably for the first 10 years of my career. Okay. How many of you guys like affirmations in general? Anyone like affirmations? Everybody. Awesome. This is, this is my favorite affirmation. I would literally say this over and over. I'll say it normal speed once and I'll say it slowly if you want to write it down. I would say I am a creative solution or a solution oriented problem solving machine. I am a creative solution oriented problem solving machine. Say it more slowly. I'm a creative solution oriented problem solving machine. Nice. Like it. Great. Put in your own words. There's nothing magic about those specific words. They resonate with me, but they would allow myself every time before I'd walk into a meeting, buyer meeting, seller meeting, I'd, before I'd get on the phone to do outbound prospecting with, with, uh, with buyers or sellers, I would say this because it allows me to go into that with an open mind an open, right? I'm, I'm letting everything be open so that it can kind of just process and see what people are saying. And as you do this more and more often, you will arrive at solutions more and more quickly because you see the same scenarios over and over again. Does that make sense? Like the first time you hear something, you're like, well, I don't know how to do that. And you go and you talk to someone else, you come onto a call like this, right? And you say, hey, here's the solution. So in, in two minutes, I'm going to open up. We'll do the last five minutes, just straight Q&A, right? Subjection, uh, subjections, situations, objections, things you've run into. But after you've seen the same situation one or two times, it becomes really easy to handle it. Does that make sense? Okay. So we did interest rates, right? One way to reframe that was reframe it from interest to affordability, to making sure the payments are comfortable. On the listing commission side, I'm just using these because these are the two, two really easy examples to see. And if you guys have other ones you want me to talk to, we'll, we'll talk to any objection you want. On the listing commission side, if someone says, hey, well, you know, will, will, you discount, will you give me a discount? Right? Maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a relative. I'm sure if you've gone on any number of listing appointments, you've gotten, if someone's asked you for a discount, right? Discount off what? Discount off, commissions are negotiable anyway, right? They're by law, commissions are negotiable anyway. They're asking for it. They just want to feel like they're getting a discount. So here's where you can reframe that and say, look, what I'm hearing you say is when you hire me to sell your house, you want to make sure you're getting an incredible value, correct? What I'm hearing you say is when you hire me, just by the way, and that's an embedded command if you know NLP, when you hire me, you want to make sure you're getting an incredible value, right? And the agent you hire. Now we're not talking about commission. Now we're talking about value. So now you have to go back and talk about what are the things you do to illustrate your own value? Do you do better marketing? Do you, do your, do you have statistics that show your listing sell for more than other people's, right? There's all sorts of ways to illustrate value. And when I get to commission, I'm going to say, we do this, 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 this called a value stack. You list off all of the things you do. We have other training calls on this, Agent Power Huddles. If we don't have one, I'll set up one. If you guys want one of this, I'll get someone on here next week to really go through their value stack and their listing presentation. Because when you hear someone list all, all this and the line that I, was, that I was trained, that's ingrained into my head that I still use after I go over my value stack is we do all this and all we charge is X. We do all this and all we charge is X. And you see how that's going to help you net more money. The other place where you could shift a listing commission, instead of saying um, you want a good value, you could say, right? You could say, what I'm hearing you say is when when you list your house, you want to make sure you net the absolute most amount of money in your pocket possible at the end of the sale, correct? It's another way of saying that. 
two different, two different places to shift it to both of them coming away from just talking about numbers. Right. And here's the way to wrap this up. I asked my, uh, my eight-year-old son, I asked my eight-year-old son, this my, I love getting wisdom from an eight-year-old. Asked my eight-year-old son, I said, Hey, so I'm going to be training on objection handling this morning. Do you know what that is? And he's like, no, nope, no idea. I'm like, cool. So I explained what an objection is when someone said, you know, and he's like, okay, I get it. He's like, can we do something? I'm like, sure. And so I, I, I said like, uh, I, I said, all right, well, I don't want to play, you know, this game with you. And he said, okay, I'm going to kill you. I'm like, Oh, that, okay. That, I guess that's, I guess that's a response. That's <laughs> I was shocked. He's, he's eight, right? This is he, in his mind. There's that death doesn't have the same meaning to him. Right. And so we, we started, he said, he did a few more. He said, one time he said, I was stupid. One time he said, I was dumb. And he was really like, th- those words to him, by the way, were like shocking. He was like, you're dumb. And like, and he was like cracking up anyway. He, like, so I know, it, I know it's silly, but hopefully this sticks with you because a lot of agents, when we're going along and we're just doing our thing and we get an objection, a lot of us will be triggered and have those responses in our head. We're like, ah, you're dumb. Why are you saying that? So you really want to, you really want to be aware of that, that sense inside yourself, because the people saying these things to you, your buyers and sellers, your clients, they're not dumb. They're very real for them. There's a reason there's something going on internally that's causing them to say these things. This is where we want to help them move through it to get in alignment with whatever their goals are. Does that make sense, guys? All right. I saved a few minutes for questions. What questions, if any, do you have? What objections have you gotten lately? How can I help you reframe or shift some of these? What do you have? Lenora, go for it. Um, how do you respond to the objection? Uh, well, you know, to the question, how many homes you have sold? I mean, as listed. So if you haven't, if you haven't listed any, you know, it's uh, how do you frame it? Yeah. So, so let's start at the top. One, is it a question or is it an objection? Okay. You could answer. Well, I mean, uh, there is, uh, there is the, uh, I, well, the answer, the answer has, ha, will be honest, but yeah. uh, oh, it's, no, no, no. it saying, has an objection to... behind it. You know, it's like you dump right. that. But, but, but I want you to, I want you to think about it just from the really high level. Is it a question or an objection in the way they're asking it? How many homes have you sold is a very logical question. And if you say, I've, I've listed zero houses, right? I have a okay. business partner who's sold, who's sold many and we work on properties together. And I will say that because of my experience in business as a whole, I've been in business for 30 years, 25 years, whatever. I've been in business for 25 years. I'm transferring <laughs> that business sense into real estate and I will outwork any other agent. I will work harder. I will work more. I will work longer. I will do, I will kill for you. I will work harder than any other agent you can talk to. That's what you're looking for, right? So th- there's a way that you could address it, still answering mm-hmm. it. Now, let's say they come to it though, and they say, because if, if they just say, hey, how many of you go, I've sold zero. That's yeah, probably going to cause an objection to be, <laughs> the objection would be, how, do you, how can you sell my house without, without having sold other houses, right? So this is in this case where I'd like to frame it up if it is starting to be an objection to, to give them a context for it, right? They say, how many houses have you sold? You say, right? You're probably asking that because you want to make sure that I can sell your house for the most amount of money in the least amount of time, correct? That's my reframe, right? You're probably asking that because you want to make sure that I can sell your house for the most amount of money in the least amount of time. And the reason I always say those two is because every se- I've done this for 20 years. Every seller I've ever talked to probably wants one or both of those things. Most amount of money, least amount of time. There's very few other things that matter to sellers, okay? So when you frame it up that way, then you can answer it with, right? guess what? I've got good news for you. You're going to be my very first listing. 
Okay. Can I tell you why that's a benefit for you? Because here's why. And then you go through, right? I have mentors and partners with some of the most amazing agents in this industry that have that that together we're going to show exactly how we can sell your home for more money. Not only that, because I'm newer, I'm going to have more energy, more commitment, more drive, and more dedication than any other agent you've talked to. And the last one would be, I, I'm not new to business. I'm not new to life, right? So my communication style and my experience from 25 years in business, right? And you can tell them, I know Leonora's background, right? In the travel industry, whatever it is, in creating incredible experiences for clients perfectly translates over to real estate. Where not only will I make the experience good for you, but for the buyer on the other side, which creating a better experience is going to net a higher price for you. Do you see how that's going to help you sell your house for more money and less time? Mm-hmm. Was, that, was that a good, a good uh, answer for that one? Very much. I'm okay. going gonna, gonna to keep this recording. What was that, Zuma? We should take you in our listing. <laughs> well, you're you're welcome. To, you're welcome to take me. If you're to, call me up. I happily, if you're any close by to San Diego, I'm happy to happy to go with you. But the thing that I want to end with here, because we're right at, at the bottom of the hour, as you listen back to that part of the recording, Lenora, I think the most important thing of anything I said, less about the words and more about the confidence which I said them. People will rarely remember what you said but they remember how you made them feel, right? That famous quote, right? It's the same thing in sales. The words I said were logical. They did make sense. Is it true because I'm a newer agent that I'm going to work harder than anyone else? No, not at all, okay? That's a different concept from NLP where I'm smushing these things together. But the way that I said it and presented it, it gave them a feeling of like, ooh, okay, like this person's got me. And the reason why people are asking objections is because they want to do business with you. I want you to keep that in mind. That's the most important thing. They're not asking objection because they don't want to do business with you. They didn't want to do business. They wouldn't bother giving the objection. They want to do business with you and they're trying to figure out how they can justify and feel good about it. And when they tell their friends, they're like, so you just have to give them a way that they can feel comfortable. Otherwise they're going to, later they're going to tell their family member, their friend, their neighbor, yeah, I listed my house with a brand new agent. Their friend's going to be like, you did what? And they don't want to look bad. No one wants to look bad. So give them the information they need so they can feel really good about it. Man, I met the most energetic agent. This person was incredible. Communication was fantastic. And they just, they, they got me, right? That's going to go a long way. Is that helpful, guys? Yes, excellent. All right. Feel good about what you do, guys. Salespeople make the world go round. Truly believe it. If I can help you in any way, let me know. Bye, guys. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. Have a nice day. Bye. If you'd like more information or to get connected to the Agent Power Huddle, join our free Facebook group. This call was designed for the agents in our EXP organization, but open to any agent from any brokerage. If you're a guest and you're interested in learning more about EXP or our specific resources within the Agent Collective, reach out to the person who invited you to this call to get more info. Produced by the Agent Collective Media Network.